It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Dive into the mind of Brett Boone as we turn to the baseball legend to find out what's happening in his life and around Major League Baseball. This is Turning Two with Booney. Here's your host, Rich Herrera. Welcome, everybody. It's the Friday edition of the Boone Podcast. I'm the executive producer of this podcast, Rich Herrera. Sitting in the guest seat today is Brett Boone. Booney, how are you? I'm doing good, Rich. What do we got? What do we got on the table for turning two with Booney? We want to know where my $5 is. Uh, Those of you that might not have caught the podcast, which, come on, everybody listens to the podcast. Brett and I had a little bet. He was in Park City, Utah last week playing golf. And I bet $5 that our friend Ernie would beat him on the second day of the golf tournament. And the results were he beat me. I, I, all right. I've winner chicken dinner. Here here we go. Last week I, I went down and I had a number of excuses for the golf. Now a lot of excuses day three. Now Ernie's Ernie's he's upped his game. He's a four handicap. He's better than me. I, I'm checking in at a six right now. So oh, I, I didn't know get, Ernie was that good of a golfer. Yeah, I should be, be be getting one aside. And it's his home track. And I, I have to give him props. He, his short game right now is like. Tremendous. A plus golfer. Better okay. than scratch. He, he's that good right now with a short game. Can uh, you? But we're playing these. You know, I, I, I thought about this a lot. As a young man. Back in the day, every time I play golf, we would never play from any tees except for the back, back tees. Now, as I'm getting older, my friends are getting older. Uh, most guys, they want to play a comfortable tee, a gold tee or, or blue gold combo. And I thought about it and get day three with Ernie. I said, Ernie, we're going to play all the way back and let's see how you do. We're going to play for the tips. I played a lot better because here's the thing. When I tee off, Rich... The farther back I tee off, I don't lose golf balls. Because when you tee off on the on the men's tees or the gold tees, you go left and right, and you're, my ball's off the golf course. You're spraying. Back tees, if I go left and right, I'm still on the golf course because I have a lot more places to miss. So going forward, I, I'm going to demand we just go all the way back wherever we play. Now, would and, that and make then we'll me, see. Would that make me less of a man if I played with you and you play from the tips and I play from the gold? No, it would make you just a normal person. Versus the boon. Correct. Okay. Correct. <laughs> no. So no, I, uh, I, I, it's a little I, emasculating. I, it's I, it's kind I, of a prefer, it's kind of a move on your buddy. I prefer to play the back tees 
because it's easier for me. It's an advantage for I'm giving you all the advantage by letting you play close because now you're comfortable. I don't need to play close. I don't need to be close to the green. Actually, my game gets worse as I get closer to the green. Right. So I'd rather commit. I'd rather have a wedge in my hand than a 20-yard pitch shot. (laughs) Because we drive for show and And we we putt putt for for, no. And and that being said, all that being said, my putting is embarrassing. It's it's the point. It it got in my head so much. No, no, no. My miss stro- it. Oh, no, no, it's like no, no, that. Miss it. It's like that. Miss and I'm standing over putts and, and I'm just like starting to sweat. Like, no, no. I can't make a four footer, Rich. It's, it's, well, okay. I'm, I'm going to have to go to a psychologist. Or well, that's something. what I was asking you last week. Was it, is it, is it nerves? Is it mental? It what, is what far is it? from nerves. It, it's mental because it's not like anything bigs on the line. What am I going to do? Lose? Make the tour? Yeah, well, but you, I wait, a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not buying. You're competitive. You don't want to lose. I'm competitive. You don't want me chirping it, but, at you. Right, but it's not nerves. It's more of just it. I, I I used to, when guys would say they got the yips, and, I, and I've known some buddies through the years that are good players, and they get the yips, and they just stop playing for a while. And I just always thought to myself, how can you get the yips? Like, what? just putt the ball. You're not a pro. Let's just play this game. This is what we do. It's a, it's a hobby for us. And all of a sudden, I got the yips. And now I don't know what to do. Anyway. Okay. Well, let it'll, me it'll work itself out. It'll work itself out. I, I, I don't want to talk about it anymore, Rich. No, I, I, I want to talk about getting <laughs> inside your head. So if we're playing golf and I'm like, miss it. Miss it. No, no. Well, miss you, it. Don't do, you, you don't do that. that that's... But if I did, can I get well, in your head? Well, then you'd be a clown. Hey, hey, Brett, I, I don't hate. I don't, I don't mean to tell you this, but you're already down three. Oh, you, you could say stuff. Like, you could say st- you could say stuff like that. But when I'm putting, you don't say miss it. I mean, that's, okay, that's, but but that's I could get level. in your like, head. Oh yeah, sure. In between holes in the cart. Hey, are you going to miss another putt today? <laughs> Shut Boy, up, Brett. Rich. No, because Ernie will do that. He's like, hey, God, Brett. it's embarrassing how you putt, Booney. Yeah. You, anyway, this is my home course. You're you're embarrassing me in front of my friends. All in all, is it was a great. Star can't putt. It was a great that he keeps saying that he's like, how could you do what you did for a long for that long and, and you putt like you do? And I'm like, Ernie, just shut up, just shut up and be an average golfer, not an average golfer, good club golfer. Anyway, <laughs> hey, he it, won me five dollars. It was a fun trip. Uh, I always like going up there. It's a real nice. It's in Park City. It's real close to to Deer Valley. Uh, it's just a nice. It's a nice place. We got caught a little, little rain day three. But, right. Uh, that was a fun trip. Quick in and out. Um, I was going to ask you this. Oh, you were so close to Jack Carr. I got I got distracted because he lives up there. Oh, does he? Yeah. Um, no, no, I'm sorry. Here's what I wanted to get to. I was, I was trying to get in your head. That's why I was silent right there, just seeing what you'd say. Well, I thought you I'm could. Trying to, I'm, I'm trying to mentally throw you off. Te- technical difficulties. No, no, no. I'm, tr- I'm trying to mentally throw you off. And I'm doing well, this. Well, Mike, Mike doesn't like that. So. Why well, no? But I'm trying, to, Mike, I'm trying Mike, to throw you off your game for a reason here, Brett. Right. Mike, for all you wondering, is our producer. And he doesn't like these little games, rich plays. Yeah. Right. He, he's probably laughing right now off, off camera. Well, I mean, some of the, some people last week, like Herrera, you were just wearing Boone out. Yeah, like, acting acting like I'm right, acting like I'm a 15, 18 handicap. Well, no, no. I so I, I I've been busting your chops for 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 a reason because I want to bring up the first story I want to get to on the podcast today. And Rich, by the way, when it comes to golf, I I, I love it. I, I'm I love golf. Uh, 
but you can't hurt my feelings. You really can't. Oh, I, I, I know I'll never be a great golfer. Uh, I what like if I outdrove you? That's impossible. It's a, what, if, but what if I did? Maybe what if you just shank one and I just hit one pure? Well, if you should, so what? Then if, I can if I ever hit, throw, if hey. I ever hit one decent, and you even got within, say, a hundred yards of that tee ball, I'd, I'd worry. <laughs> okay, the reason why I'm Go trying ahead. to get in your head is uh, I wanted to talk to you about the story with uh, Justin Verlander and Alex Cora. Mm-hmm. Verlander's having uh, problems with the little pitch thing in his hat, and he's trying to figure it out. Figure it out. Cora comes out there, yells at him, tries to get in his head. And uh, and and a little bit of gamesmanship over there. So I wanted to know how does that really happen? Do you do you hear managers or or bench guys uh, chirping? You will. I I can honestly say in my career I never had an exchange with an opposing manager. May, maybe during a fight, uh, but never like on a personal level, like like the Verlander Corey exchange. And and the more I looked at it. It was kind of off the cuff. It was right. almost like they were they were buddies off the field. And he was just not having it at that time. It, it wasn't like fighting words. If if you I saw the clip and then I saw what Joey what what not Joey Cora, I'm sorry, Alex Cora said. Uh he said, Oh, I'm not worried about it. I respect uh Verlander as a pitcher and as a as a man. So so it kind of rolled off his back. Like, eh, in the heat of the battle, he just told me to kind of F off. And right. whatever, whatever Verlander, you know, it was that Save type it. of thing, right? It, it wasn't like we we're going to fight. So I think it was more of a friendly, listen, I can't get my headset, right? You're the opposing manager. I'm a little flustered right now. You're taught you're, you're trying. It's this gamesmanship going on. So F off in the moment. And, and Cora kind of looked at him probably like, it wasn't like, would you say let's fight? It was kind of like, all right, now he's frustrated. Right. It, it really wasn't a big deal. And Verlander said, hey, listen, Cora's probably trying to get it in my head, get me flustered. Yeah, it, you could tell. It was a it was a thing where uh, there's a mutual respect there. There's a mutual respect there. But in the moment, it was kind of just uh, give it a rest and, and we're moving on. And and it really, Cora's reaction to it wasn't like he wasn't no, over no, the no. top. Not, he wasn't angry. Down. Right. I mean, you say that in the wrong time, at the wrong time to the wrong person. Right. You're fighting. But their relationship through the years, probably to a point where they can say that to one another and it's not fighting words. Okay, so what happens when you get flustered in that moment? Because there's times where you've been flustered at the plate, right? Right. Uh, so describe I'm, what that's like. To, to what Justin was going through? Yeah, as a hitter, being flustered. What am, give me a give me a give You're me an up example. There, like, you're not what what the could ball. I be flustered by? I don't well, know. That that has nothing to do with except for me and internally. Yeah. How do yeah, I? Yeah. No, no. I'm just trying to get. I'm just trying to get I, you to explain to fans now that you, you what it's like to, when you're flustered. Okay, uh, that's a that's a good topic actually, it, and it brings back the golf topic. And you talked. You said the word shank. Uh, I've had the shanks before, and it is the loneliest place. You don't know what to do. But I'm not a professional. I always wondered. The big boys on TV on a Sunday on the tour. You get the shanks. What do you do now? If you're a professional, you probably have uh, you probably have a go to emergency swing that can get rid of the shanks and, and you can finish the game for the amateur like us. When we get them, we have no rhyme or reason why they're happening. They just keep happening and there's no go to as a hitter, especially as I got older and got a little experience. And I tell this to young players now. 
don't allow yourself to go over 12. Don't go over 14. I remember having this conversation with Josh Donaldson when this is years ago, eight, nine years ago. I said, Josh, don't go over 15. Recognize that your swing isn't working. You're not on time when you're over six. Because if you can curb that and go three for 14 over time, that's going to be a huge difference than an 0 for 14. So as a hitter, as I had the experience, as I gained the experience, there was a lot of times, believe me, when I was frustrated, wasn't seeing the ball, wasn't getting my foot down, wasn't on time. Uh, and I and I recognized that and I went to what I called an emergency, a survival mode, where I'm probably not going to do as much damage. I'm probably not going to hit a home run tonight, but I can find a way to compete and maybe mix in a hit and a walk. So if I can go, if if I can go one for three with a walk, when I'm feeling horrible, I'm beating the system because I'm going to get it back. And now it starts the next day. Now I'm going to the park early. I got early cage work because I got to find this, this rhythm back and eventually it will come back. But in the meantime, I'm in survival mode and it might not be the next day. I might go to the ballpark, do my early work with my hitting coach, whoever look at film, come out of that early session, say, you know what? It's better than it was yesterday, but it's still not back. So I'm still in survival mode tonight and, and just to survive. I'm not looking to shoot, to use a, a, an analogy from golf. I'm not looking to shoot a 62. I'm looking to shoot par tomorrow to live to play another day. And it's the same thing with hitting. It's like, I'm not looking to go three for four with a three run homer tonight. I'm looking to go one for three with a walk and help my team win in some capacity. Is it like laying up? I'm not going to give my big home run hack. I'm going to try to put the ball in play. Yeah, I've, I've got to survive here. How can I help? Because the bottom line is win at all costs. Right. Win the game. How can I help this team? Now, I know what I can do defensively, but how can I help this team offensively? It might be a walk in a key situation. It might be hitting a sack fly. It might be hitting an eight hopper to the shortstop when the infield's back and there's a runner on third less than two outs. If I do that, I help my team. I, I got a point for our team. And that might be a point at the end of the game that that's the difference. So uh, you can always find a way as a hitter when you're not at your best to still contribute. Do you see more emergency hacks, more safe I see less this year? Or I see less. Year? Oh, really? oh, from this, this year, year to last year. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. No. And I don't see emergency hacks. I don't see that this generation of player uh, changed. I just think organically because of the pitch clock, because, okay, we got to be ready to go. Everybody ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think organically you put more balls in play for that reason. I don't think they're going up there with a different approach. I, I, I just think because of the rules, because of you've got to be ready. We know we've got to get ready. We put that in our brain in spring training when we went through this practice session that now it's becoming second nature. And I think as a result of that, because you're ready on time, not taking your time, uh, it's not on your watch anymore to control everything. Now you're more like, all right, I got to go. Boom. Oh, now I'm in hit mode versus before is I'll take my time. I'll look around. I'll take a few practices. Ah, my batting gloves a little. I've got to readjust my batting glove and uh, ball one. Now it's more like, no, I got to be ready. And I'm swinging. I'm swinging, swinging to take. You see what I'm saying? Swinging gotcha. to take, not take to swing. Um. Let's talk about this point of the season. We're getting closer and closer to September. People on the hot seat. Uh, we'll start in Chicago. Uh, the Chicago White Sox have, are going to clean house in the front office. Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn both gone. Reaction? Mm -hmm. uh, these are things that happen. Both have been there a long time. I know Kenny Williams has been there since forever. Mid, uh, yeah, forever. I mean, uh, since I remember during my career, Kenny Williams was the, was a general manager. He's changed uh, – 
his letterhead has changed. What is that right. called? His, you know what I'm talking about. Right. Uh, but he's been in that general capacity. Ha- has you know has a lot of say in that organization. Reinsdorf uh, and him have been together for a long time. I just think it's they finally got to a point with everything with that White Sox team. We've been talking about that White Sox team for three years. Uh, they're probably the most disappointing team for me since I've been doing this side of the mic and, and being a baseball analyst and really been watching the biggest disappointment for me has been that White Sox team uh, for the last three years. It's like two years ago, they were really good last year. I thought they'll run away with that division. They didn't. Yeah. This year's been a nightmare for them on the South, on the South side. You know, it's been one thing after the other. They tried the La Russa thing uh, that didn't end up working out. Now I hear La Russa is going to be in, in, uh, going to be general counsel and, and work for the White Sox in, in a, in, in a traditional role up and, you know, be an advisor. Uh, but the La Russa thing didn't work. Pedro Grafol has, has big expectations going into this year. We had him on the podcast before the season. It just hasn't worked out for him. And sometimes that happens, you know, and sometimes that happens that things just don't work out. I think they've got some really good players that might be maybe moving on. I, I think the one guy they're going to keep, is Robert, the center fielder. He's he's a superstar. I think they're going to keep him and kind of build around him. But I think you're going to see not only a front office cleaning uh, of the White Sox, but I think from a personnel standpoint, I think there's going to be a lot of change. They're going to kind of scrap what they've got going now and, and start anew. All right. We don't hide from anything here on the podcast. And Brett has his baseball analyst hat on. So I got to ask you about the New York Yankees. Uh, struggling last place. People in New York mm-hmm. not happy. Um, what are your thoughts? Another situation, huge expectations. I uh, look at that ball club and, um, you know, we've talked about it before, you know, the, the, the constant for that rotation is a Garrett Cole, you know, might win the Cy Young this year, but, but going into this season, you expected to have a Nestor Cortez, a healthy Severino and, and a Rodon that the big pick off in the pickup in the off season, it's going to be the, and Montas, we haven't even talked about Montas who came over in a, in a big trade. None of those have come to fruition. Rodon uh, was hurt for the majority of the year, came back, was ineffective, got hurt again. He's back on the aisle. Nestor Cortez missed two months, had one start, promising start, went back on the aisle. Severino's got, I don't know what's going on with Severino. He seems healthy now. He's missed a good portion of the year, uh, but he's got a, he's got an ERE north of eight. ERA north of eight. Uh, I don't know what's going on there. Still got a world-class bullpen. But then just go around the diamond. Look at the offense. You know, you got a, a, an aging Josh Donaldson, missed a ton of time, was having a bad year. Uh, Rizzo, concussion protocol. He's missing time. He's out. Uh, Aaron Judge ran into the fence in, in L.A. He missed two months. He's back. Giancarlo Stanton's having just a, a terrible year, hitting around 200 for the entire season. Bader in and out of the lineup. Their, their platinum glove catcher. Uh, he's been out for the year. So anything that could go wrong for these guys from a health perspective has gone wrong for, for the New York Yankees. I know it's New York. I know it's different there, uh, especially the fans. You know, they expect, and, and as a player, I love that. I would love to play there, and I always wanted to play there for that reason. There are high expectations. Not really realistic expectations, but high nevertheless. And and baseball is their whole world, and I love that. And and to be a player in that atmosphere, there's nothing like it. You're going to get a lot of criticism, but at the same time, that reward when you win is is tenfold. Uh, that being said, I think they're unrealistic. They they we here in New York, we do this. 
It's 2023. It's not 1956. The old days of, of winning championships just because you're the evil empire, that doesn't pertain to today's game. Uh, the finances are across the board. You've got a lot of teams that spend a lot of money now, so you can't be that that giant that wins every year. And and but New York fans are World Series or bust. Yeah, it's great to have that attitude, but it's not a reality in 2023. So the thing I feel for Cashman, uh, probably the longest tenured general manager in the game, has got five rings. Uh, but at this point, whether it's his fault or not. Uh, he's responsible for that roster. And, and I, the thing that, that it, not that it bothers me, but I look at a guy that's been there, done that has a ton of success in New York. Uh, the fans chanting every night, fire Cashman. Now that's what you expect in sports. You want to be the general manager for the New York Yankees. There's a price to be paid for that. And on right. the other side, there's a lot of perks similar to Aaron Boone. You want to be the New York Yankees manager, man, you're going to be you're going to be scrutinized like no other manager in the game. But the perks are off the charts if you ever win. So I feel for them what they're going through. Uh, Players win games, Rich. Players lose game. Managers manage. Managers manage personalities and egos. Uh, But if everybody's hurt. Uh, there's only so much you can do as, as a manager. I talked to Aaron last night and I just, you know, he's flustered, but he's doing okay. He's doing okay. And I just said, you got to ride it out, man. This is what, this is the the rough side of being the Yankees manager. A lot of perks. I'm proud of him. He, he's not, he, he's going to go down fight. And I look at him on paper. They've got no chance, but don't tell that to Aaron right now. Because if Aaron's one of those guys, you're telling me there's a chance. So he's going to be grinding right. it out uh, for the next five, six weeks. And uh, I just look at him on paper <laughs> and as an analyst and as his brother, they're done. It's funny because you've heard him say, hey, listen, we're just one one hot streak away from getting back into this. You look at Seattle Mariners, Aaron's not wrong. Mariners go on this hot streak. All of a sudden, they made it a three-team race out west. They won again today. Uh, Yeah. Unbelievable what they've done. You know, and I, and I was just talking to somebody the other day about the Padres. They're five and a half games out, and and it doesn't look good because they've got to they've got to jump over three or four teams to get a, a a place at the table for that postseason. But then I think about it at the All Star break or or at the trading deadline, the Mariners were in the exact same position. Oh, heading down, Mariners are just rattled off seventeen out of twenty, and all of a sudden, if the if the season ended today, the Mariners are in the postseason. And by the way, they're one game out. Uh, a first place. I didn't even think this division was even remotely a possibility. I thought the Texas Rangers, the Houston Astros, they're going to come in one, two. Hopefully the Mariners can steal a wild card spot. They're knocking on the door right now. It seems like they can't lose. They go out there. The one thing that I've stayed consistent with with this Mariner team, they pitch. They've always pitched. They got one of the best rotations in baseball. They got a really good bullpen. I wish they had Seawald, who they got rid of at the trading deadline, their closer. Uh, that would be really handy right now. Nevertheless, they're as good top to bottom in the pitching category as anybody. They're just as strong. Offense is coming around. Julio, their superstar, 22-year-old center fielder, is having a monster month. Uh, last week, a monster week. Uh, and he's kind of carrying them, but... Uh, these guys are clicking and they're starting to feel it. And you can see it in their eyes when they take the field. I've been watching their games quite a bit recently, and it's it's pretty impressive. It's not like this is out of nowhere either. Last two years, they've won 90 games. And they put in 
late season pushes to get to that 90 games. They started that push a little early, but they're dangerous right now. They're the best team in baseball. The only other team right now in baseball that rivals what Seattle's doing is the LA Dodgers. They've rattled off 17 out of 20 as well. So uh, well, two great teams, different, different leagues. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about the Dodgers because, you know, I didn't think much of the Mariners coming out of the all-star break and, and around that time going into the trade deadline, it was Phil Nevins, Anaheim angels that were on the uptick. Now it's Seattle, just, just on fire right now. Dodgers were a team that had watched the diamondbacks in first place for most of the first half. Then the giants win seven in a row. They overtake the diamondbacks. You think, Oh, here comes Gabe Kapler's giants. But Dave Roberts has just been steady Eddie. Not a lot of not a lot of headlines, not a lot of people talking about the Dodgers. Now you look, that's the great thing about our, our game of baseball is the cream rises to the top, and you're seeing that with the Dodgers right now. Yeah, they're on fire quietly. I think the Dodgers have had so much success in the last six or seven years that nobody really pays attention to them. They, they this offseason they lost a lot of key Yeah. This offseason they lost a lot of key players that have been uh big players. Uh, big parts of those winning teams for the last six or seven years. Both of the Turners left from a year ago. So nobody's really paid attention to the Dodgers. It's kind of that, oh, the Dodgers will still be good, but they're not like they were. Well, they've still got Kershaw still pitching like a Cy Young. Uh, he, he's off the IL now. Urias, who's having his worst year uh, as a as a pro, still a young man, one of my favorite pitchers, one of the best lefties in the game. Uh, he's there. Gonsolin's there. Uh the big key for the Dodgers, and I'm hearing this, I don't know if it's going to happen, but Walker Bueller coming back would be a huge difference maker in that rotation. But the offense has got it going. Like you said, I got to give I got to give Robert some credit here, the way he's kept that ship heading in the right direction. And uh, they got a huge lead in that division. That division's all but over. They got to be a little careful from a year ago when they won 111 games and then got upset by the San Diego Padres, an 89-win win team in the second round of the playoffs. I think they've learned from that a year ago because when you go into the postseason, you have such a big lead like the Dodgers do. I think, uh, where are the Dodgers at? They've got a 12-game lead in the division, uh, and they're just kind of going to coast to that to that uh, National League West title. Uh, look at a year ago, and don't let that bite you two years in a row. So I think the Dodgers are going to be ready. They're going to be more dangerous than they were even a year ago. Playing really well. Uh, it's going to be a fun race over there, but I, but still Atlanta's the class of baseball and you're going to have to, the, the road to the world series goes through Atlanta. If you're going to be a world series, you're going to be on, uh, represent the, the national league in the world series. You're going to have to beat the Atlanta Braves. They're the best team in baseball, American and national league. Let me throw uh, something else. Southern California out for you. We talked about the Anaheim angels. Um, oh, Shohei Otani obviously is going to be the biggest, um, free agent that you have out there. And I think he's going to change the dynamics of way a lot of these rosters are going to be constructed when we get to Nashville, because there's going to be teams, they're going to be holding money back, going all in to get them. And whoever doesn't get them is going to find themselves holding the bag. But is this something that uh, concerns you? Cause we've talked about this a little bit in the podcast leading into the trade deadline and coming back out of it. Remember we had Jim Bowden on and said, Hey, best thing the angels could do trade Otani. Tell him, listen, we're going to trade you to a winner. We're going to give you a chance to try to win a World Series, and then we're going to do everything we can to bring you back. Mm -hmm. One of the one of the uh, folks that we had on at the trade deadline, we've had others that have said, hey, listen, um, I'd be concerned with Otani going into this mega free agency deal he's going to get. Someone's going to pay for him. But, Brad, I think you brought it up. How long can he continue? 
to hit like Babe Ruth and pitch like Nolan Ryan. You see him leave a ball game with arm fatigue. Um, does that cause you any concern as you go into the offseason going, he's going to demand the money that I got to pay to Babe Ruth and to Nolan Ryan? God, it's a lot to put on somebody to go both ways. For me, absolutely. And I'm one of the biggest Shohei Otani fans out there. Oh, you're a fanboy for Otani. I'm I'm absolutely in awe of him every day. But now I got to put on my my owner's hat and I've got to be spending 700 700 million dollars on a player. Can I spend that? Is that the wisest choice? Well, I don't know the the the, the data points and and uh, what he brings just sheerly from a, a an Otani jer- jersey sales. Uh so without getting into that, I'm just talking about Shoei Otani, the player. How how long can this last? We're seeing a guy that in my in my lifetime I didn't think I'd ever see. I, I never thought I, I don't even know if I thought I'd see a two way player at the highest level, let alone a, a two way superstar at the highest level. I watch him I watch him all the time. I'm in awe every time I watch him. But the sinister side, the 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 side of my brain that questions things. How is this not too good to be true? How much longer can it last? How much longer can he play at the highest level? When is it going to come to a point where, okay, we got to get him a day off here and there, and maybe he goes into the bullpen to kind of save his arm? When does that time come? I don't know. He's 29 years old. Uh, He's already had money- Tommy John surgery once. If money's not an object, I'm all in. Give me Otani. I want to watch this guy. And, and that's selfishly me being all in on him. But if I really have to break down the numbers and I've got $700 million to work with for nine years, uh, can I spend that differently as far as making my team better? I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't want to be a general manager this offseason. Uh, I having can't to commit wait that to kind get of money. to Nashville. I yeah. can't wait to get to Nashville. It's going to be fun. If we thought that being, you know, that you- being said, he's unbelievable. You and I and Aaron were sitting in San Diego last year when they were trying to figure out what's going to happen. Uh, are, are the Giants going to be able to pry the big slugger away and have a judge go to San Francisco? And you and I sat there, cash walked by a couple times. People are following him around. I sat in front of Aaron uh, like a big meat shield so nobody could see him. Uh, so he could sit there and relax in the lobby of the hotel with, with all of us. Could you imagine the frenzy that you're going to have then? Now the frenzy you're going to have with, Where's Otani? Uh, Otani was over there eating uh, eating Mexican food. Maybe he wants to go to Texas. Ooh, Otani was having fish. Uh, you know, Seattle's got great uh, seafood restaurants. I, I, I would say Otani's not going to be in the room. He'll probably be uh, at a location near you, undisclosed. <laughs> uh, and, you know, Rich, I, I don't know. It, it'll be really interesting what happens the next five or six weeks uh, from a from a psychological standpoint, and I'm thinking like the player, Otani, Mike Trout just came back. Right. Uh, what kind of push do they make? I, I don't think they, 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 this is a miracle if they even came close. I, I, I'm not thinking they're going to be a postseason team this year. But how does this next five weeks go? You got a healthy Mike Trout, you got a healthy Otani, a healthy team. See how it, see how it this finishes week they're nine and, and the taste that it leaves card. in. Yeah, They're so it's pretty much it's pretty much over for them. But you got to find something to play for as a player. You know, I've been in right. those situations, those years where 
we're not making the postseason. Now I got to get up every day. I got to get to the ballpark and I've got to find a way to play, get my adrenaline level to that point. Even though we got no chance of winning, I got to find something to play for. And every player worth his salt has to do that. You've got to find a reason to get up in the morning, even if you have no chance of making the playoffs. You got to find a reason. Uh, whether it gets to be selfish and you you want to hit certain numbers, you might have arbitration and 100 ribbies looks a lot better than 90. Right. And, uh, you know, 25 home runs looks better than 17. So if, even if it's got to be selfish, find a way to get up every day, go to the ballpark and try to win a game. So I think how this team finishes psychologically could have some uh, effect on Otani's mindset going into the offseason. Because I haven't dismissed the the, the the LA angels. I have not dismissed them as a landing spot for Otani. Who knows? Who knows? Well, everybody the their brother was trying to say he was leaving. He was leaving. You were the one who said, wait a minute. Not so fast. Why is he leaving? He right. chose them in the beginning. You know, I understand he's at a point now he's made his mark. He's a superstar. Now he wants to win. I get that as players. We all go through that. You know, we all go through that getting to the big leagues, proving that we're a big leader. We made an all-star team. Oh, now we did this. Now we did that. Now, now I want to win. We all get to that point. Uh, and, and I can't, you know, I can't question him for wanting to win, but can this angels front office and owner Artie Marino convince him that going forward, we're going to give you the best opportunity to win. Can they do that? I yeah. don't know. I think, I think Artie Moreno is going to be right there in the bidding war. And right out front and, and matching everybody else. So it, it's going to be an interesting process. I'll tell you one thing. It'd be pretty cool. It'd be pretty cool being Otani this offseason. And just oh, knowing yeah. that every single team wants a piece of you. That's a good feeling as a player. So could we're going imagine, to be watching it closely. It's going to be cool. Could you imagine walking up with your lottery numbers and you know you already got all, all of them plus the Powerball? And you yep. just buy the ticket and you're going to win. It's, the, well, the lottery. it's like right now, it just wrap, wrap them up in bubble wrap and just get them through the season healthy. I, I've thought about that. If you won the lottery, if you, if you, if you bought a lottery ticket and you go, Oh, look, I, I got the winning lottery ticket. What do you do with it? Do you put it in plastic? Do you, do you dare drive to the drive you to go the lottery home? office? No, you, you go home, you put it next to your toothbrush. You don't tell anybody. And then you call your lawyer and you call your, your people that handle that, that part of your, your finances and, and some of that, your trust. And you say, all right, what do I do next? And then you go from there and you let the people that do it for a living decide people that you trust. Right. But you don't go running down the street. You don't go, put, you don't go, you don't go put it on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I know you don't do that. Somebody would, somebody would, uh, let me speaking, putting everybody on blast. Um, last week I explained to everybody, the podcast has taken off. We, we really have become one of the biggest podcasts in baseball and in sports. But I was pointing out to folks that in order to grow this even more, we need to get more um, reviews and ratings uh, on the Odyssey app, on on Apple, wherever you get it, Spotify. So, Brett, I, I had that impassioned plea uh, a week ago. I will tell you, we are now at a 4.9 rating out of 5. So we have 145 people that have rated us, and 144 gave us five stars. One person gave us four stars. Well, that's you haven't pumped the podcast enough, Rich. You got to do a little. No, no, these job. are people that, that have listened to the podcast and they're rating your work. One person says you're a four out of five. Everybody else well, gave you five. Well, that must have been the they. They must have watched a, a turning two with Booney when you're in the when you're in the big seat. That's the four. That's the four or five rating. 
All right, here's one from um, M. Han. I recently stumbled upon this podcast and love listening to Brett's take on the game and his guests. Five stars. Thank you very much. Uh, it's called Favorite Baseball Podcast. This is from uh, PA Mets fan, lifelong baseball fan of 50-plus years. I love this podcast and hearing the interviews with the stars of my youth. Great stuff. Um, this one is not short person. Love listening. Yo, Brett, but if uh, favorite player along with Junior, Booney, the stories of the playing days are the best. Keep it up. So there you go. Couple, uh couple reviews of the podcast. We read them. Keep them coming. Wherever you get your podcast on uh, on Apple, Spotify, or the Odyssey app, please, please, please. That's how we grow the podcast. All right. Let's talk about a couple things before we get out of here today. Um, what's Boone watching? Boone is watching. You know what I watched the other day? And uh, it was at Ernie's place. I was waiting because I had an evening flight out of there. And he turned on uh, Hall of, was it Hall of Shame? It's a new Netflix documentary. And it was uh, with Barry Bonds and the Sprinter. And it was Balco. Who? And it was uh, Victor Conte. He's a character, right. by the way. Really yep. entertaining. I, I would suggest watching that. Um, that was interesting. And, and what's the one I'm watching, Rich? I, I'm through. I, I, I threw it out the other day. It was a Netflix. I, I've only gotten through two episodes of it. What is the name of that? I can't think of it. You're so anyway. busy doing radio yeah. shows. No, all I, I would say uh, Hall of Shame. Uh, it just came out on Netflix. That's that's worth the watch. Really okay. interesting. Uh, it was the whole Balco thing and and watch Victor Conte and how that all came to fruition and and what everybody went through. Really interesting take. I'm looking forward to that that uh, that HBO series on Barry. Oh, Bond. the, on Bonds. Because you know I'm a huge fan of him too. So, all right. As a hitter, as a hitter, just just the the unbelievable. Hey Barry, I'll throw a Go shout ahead. out. I'll throw a shout out for Bonds. He needs to come we on. We need the to get we need to get Bonds on the podcast. Yeah. We're going to work on that. Um. All right. Boone approved. Ready? Yes. Grown men wearing football jerseys with someone else's name and number on it. So, you know, you go out oh, on a Sunday. Wow. You're going to watch football. You see a guy wearing an Aaron Rodgers Packers jersey and a Brett Favre jersey, and I got on a Brock Purdy jersey. Is it cool for grown men to wear football jerseys with another man's name on it? Because they, they have to have the name on the back so it's an authentic game jersey. Well, can I preface it? I, I love it's to preface podcast. it. You do whatever you want. If you're a if you are a major if you're an athlete at the highest level, if you're a major league baseball like player, me. if you're an NBA player, uh, if you are a NFL player. No. Why not? But for Rich Herrera to wear a jersey? Absolutely. That's a little emasculating. It's a I little, don't mean it's to, a little bougie. I don't know. Snobbish. It's, it's like, okay, if Peyton Manning puts on another man's jersey, he's Peyton Manning. Do you get it? Okay. You what what if Peyton Manning? What if Peyton Aaron, Manning? Aaron Boone, Aaron Boone would do it. Right. He would wear he would wear a Ron Jaworski jersey. Now I think it's great for Ron. I think it's weird for Aaron. Anybody that would you know, there's a guy back in the day I played with. His name was Pete Shurick. 
really good left-handed pitcher for, for the Cincinnati Reds. He would go to Steeler games and he'd like paint his face and yeah. wear a Steeler. I said, yeah, sure. I said, sure. You won 17 games last year. You're a big league. You were in the Cy Young talk. Have some dignity, son. And he just no. looked at me because I love I love the Steelers. So I, I'm gonna say I, I don't know what there's my answer right there. Is that is that a I don't that's think that's bougie. a hardcore approved or yeah, well if I got you a maybe. Caleb Williams USC jersey, would you wear it on Saturday? No chance. No chance. <laughs> now what happens if Caleb Williams I think it's just because I'm a I'm an athlete. Maybe Okay, but I don't know. Okay. Let's think about different well, profession. All right. You know, let's, do I wear a, say, an office T-shirt because the office that 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 uh, the TV show, you know, the TV show, right. I would wear something like that. OK, but let me but I'm not an actor. I'm not an what, actor. What happens if another professional athlete wanted to wear a Brett Boone jersey back in the day? I would be so flattered. It'd be ridiculous. I love it. OK, well, wouldn't it, it be mean nice I approve for you? of it? Wouldn't that be nice for you to wear a Rick Meyer jersey from back in the day? Rick Myers a friend? <laughs> yeah, but it, I don't know. It, you're putting me in an awkward situation. I love Rick <laughs> Meyer, but putting on his jersey? I don't know. Yes, that would saying. be the that would be the ultimate form of flattery if someone was uh, an athlete was rocking a Boone jersey. I think it'd be cool. I mean, I could see it. I could but see it. But it doesn't mean I doesn't mean I approve it for anybody else. Just for okay. somebody wearing my jersey, I approve it. So I, I said that if it's another baseball player wearing your jersey, like if I were a giant, you were a Mariner, and I'm walking around on the off day wearing a Brett Boone jersey, that'd be Oh, weird. absolutely not. Right. Yeah, but if it's the that. beginning of the football season and I'm a huge San Francisco 49er fan, why can't I roll into the ballpark? I, I, think, I, I, think a lo- I think a lot of athletes do that. I think last year in the postseason, Mike Trout was wearing – he'd wear a – he wore a Mike Schmidt jersey. He to did. the yard one day, and then I think he wore, he I think wore, he's uh, worn Eagles jersey. Eagle jersey. Yeah, right. and Mike, Tra- or, or I'm sorry, I'm talking Harper, Harper, Bryce Harper. Harper. Uh, yeah, he's a Philly. He wore a Mike Schmidt like authentic, yeah, old school jersey. Now that's different because that's for the fans. Okay. That's for the city of Philadelphia. You're in the post. There's too many caveats for this question. I don't have a stone uh, cold answer you on for the spot. you, and I'm, I'm struggling host. with it. I I know, and I'm gonna I'm gonna bury you with this. Um, if you had to wear one old school jersey of a player that you respected and it can't be Bob or Ray Boone, who would you wear? That's good that you took out the Bob and Pete Rose. Okay. If you had to wear a let me, football... let me tell you let me tell you why, Pete Rose. When I was a kid, I loved all the players. I didn't have a favorite player. Never did. Been asked this question a million times. Who's your favorite player? You grew up with all the I loved them all. But if I have to narrow it down as who who played the game right, who epitomized going to the ballpark and getting after it for 162 games straight, I've never seen anybody do it like Pete Rose. And that's why I'd wear it. Strictly his on the field. Sure. How when he laced them up from seven to ten every night, I've never seen a player before Pete. Obviously, I didn't get to watch a lot before Pete. But since I've been a little kid watching players my entire life, I've never seen anybody come to the ballpark day in and day out and give get that level of intensity to each and every game. Never seen anything like it. Okay. 
football jersey. And I know people are going to come. Oh, Pete, he did this and he oh, did that. No, has no, nothing to do. Ah, shut up. Has nothing to do with that. Right. Has to do with no. the fact that he played the game. He the epitomized that... what it means to be a a, prof- a major league baseball player. Okay, football player. Got to pick one. Earl Campbell. Really? I loved Earl Campbell. I mean, it was Monday Night Football, and it's back in the seventies, right? Right. So you you're getting ready for you know, mom saying. Brett, you got to be in bed. This is when I'm in fifth, sixth grade. Brett, your bedtime's 10 o'clock, but I got to watch Monday Night Football. And back then it wasn't, you know, Monday Night Football was the biggest deal because right. we, we we couldn't watch all the games on Sunday. So I'd always want to watch Monday Night Football. And it seemed like Earl Campbell was always on. I loved it. it the thighs bigger than my, my <laughs> waist. And for some reason, uh, Earl Campbell stood out to me. A lot of the Eagles stood out to me. Wilbert Montgomery, Harold Carmichael, right. uh, Jaws. Uh, Bill Berge in the middle, Jack LaMaster were the two middle, uh, middle linebackers. So I, I, Harold Carmichael, did I mention him? I think he's a hall of fame wide receiver. So I remember those guys. Uh, but Earl Campbell was my guy. Would you have been a good football player? I played, uh, when did, how, how far did you go? Oh, I just played peewee football. And actually I was a soccer player, but all my buddies would make fun of me. Growing up, fifth, rightfully so. Boone plays, Boone plays soccer. You know, because all my buddies were football players, so they kind of switched me over to play. Uh, It was I was a fish out of water the first time. All my buddies had been playing for years, then all I just kind of jumped in. My second year, I started to pick it up and get the. uh, I I don't know how good I would have been. I I I can sit here and say that I probably would be good, but I don't know. I, I I'm not sure. There's a reason I didn't pursue it. I went into my freshman year in high school. And I was like, I was four eleven, like a buck (laughs) ten. So it's like these kids are a little too big for me right now. Uh, Yeah, I thought about my freshman year, and then I scrapped that idea and just became a baseball player. From my freshman year, I played basketball through through my sophomore year, and then I just went all baseball junior senior year. I told you that with my son when he when uh, we moved and he went to Cathedral Catholic. He had never played football before. So he showed up for the football team because mm-hmm. he needed a varsity letter to get to the service academy, and football was non-cut. So he goes out, and they go, what position do you play? He goes, I've never played before. They said, go stand over there. And he weighed maybe a buck 25, and he just happened to be standing next yeah. to the offensive lineman. And they made him play offensive line. He gave away 150 pounds to everybody else. I would have liked to see Brett Boone try that. <laughs> no, no, no cut. I love it. I no, love it. No. All right, uh, real quick before we get out of here, uh, where are you heading this week? Because, you know, last week you were in Park City, Utah. I'm sure you're going to go play, do something uh, fun this week. Going on a fun trip. We're going to, going to see my son, uh, going to see Jakey in Chicago. Uh, me and Pops. Plays in, so plays me and Dad take off to plays for Windy City. Me and me and Dad are taking off tomorrow at 2 o'clock. We'll get in late tomorrow night, and then we got three games with Jakey, and then we'll be back. So I haven't seen him for a while. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. They're wrapping it up. they got a couple weeks left of the season, and, and they'll be done. So uh, I'll get to see him a few games and get to see Richie and, and Jarrett Wright and catch up, start talking, getting ready for Pebble Beach. Richie's my partner. Right. Jarrett Wright's back in this year. So we'll have a little Pebble so- Beach talk, watch Jakey play three games. Who's going to enjoy the trip more, you or your dad? Well, dad will ask me a thousand questions. Yeah. Uh, I'll answer them a thousand times. Who will enjoy it more? I don't know. Your it's, dad it, loves I to go watch Jake play. Oh, he loves it. He loves it. He's he's like my grandpa in a lot of ways, you know. 
just a, a proud grandpa and uh it, it's good I, I i enjoy these trips especially you know dad's getting a little bit older i'm get, we're all getting older but uh i i really do uh treasure these times to get to spend right. with him one-on-one because we don't do it and he wears my mom out and drives her mom's probably excited like oh, oh yeah taking your dad let's excited. go good go so you take know it for, uh, take it for two weeks but but i'm learning you know as we all get a little bit older i i really I really appreciate these times and we always have a good time. We'll get into a couple scuffles. I'll, he'll <laughs> ask me a question one too many times. I'll yell at him and then he'll, he'll give me the F you and I'll say, pops, <laughs> come on. We got We got to go over to the yard. <laughs> it, it, the thing that's great is he loves it so much. We'll get there and, and he'll be, we'll go down on the field. You know, we say, hi, I kind of try to stay out of everybody's way. Dad, he'll be right in there. It's like, where'd, oh. where'd Bob go? Oh, he's down in the bullpen working with the backup catcher. That's what he does. Oh, that's what He's, I can't wait to see. That's what he does. I'll try to get some video. I'll try to get some content. Yes. But, uh, yeah, he's. it'll be a lot of fun. I, I always look forward to these times. No, that's what I love when you go on these trips and you get to, you get to see Bob, and he just he loves being at the yard, loves being around his grandson, loves being around you. I think it's just really, really neat. And you yeah, know what? Cool Again, plan. someone who lost his dad uh, five years ago, I just I, – I'm – I just – look at you and live my, my life vicariously through you watching you get a chance to spend time with your dad. Yeah. I, I think these times you got to treasure these times. You yeah. don't have a dad forever. You don't have a grandpa forever. You know, that's what I tell my, my boys, you don't have a grandpa forever. You know, I, I, I got to have a grandpa for 32 years. It's pretty yeah. darn awesome. And, uh, you know, so appreciate these times. Yeah. All right. Cool. I'm off. I'm off. Right. So no, that, 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 that's it. We're done. I'm tired of you. Uh, send me my $5. I appreciate it. You got it. And I'll Venmo uh, it to you. Way to go, Ernie. Thank you very much for winning me $5. It'll go up here on the bulletin board behind me. You got it. There you go. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Turning 2 with Booney. Uh, I'm Rich Herrera. Hey, don't forget, leave us a rating. Leave us a review uh, wherever you get the podcast. Brett, have leave a great alone. time. Leave alone. No, build the podcast. Keep helping right. us. I got it. Uh, have a great time, Brett. We'll talk to you when we get back from Chicago. See ya. Thanks, Rich.